Crime is a big one. Certainly every single candidate I spoke to uh, on Monday, it's top of mind. It is top of mind because it's an everyday thing in the city of Toronto, certainly, uh, are all these vi- uh, you know, headlines. Well, I want to bring in John uh, Reed, president of the Toronto Police Association, who visits us on Thursdays to go over some of the headlines of the week. It is good to have you, John. Yeah, good morning, Alex. Thanks for having me today. So we started off this week um, with a very frustrated premier uh, calling on the, the feds to get on, um, you know, bail reform that the uh, justice minister has said that he is, uh, you know, open to discussing. Take a listen to the tone of Doug Ford on Monday uh, with where this stands. Repeat offenders, people accused of committing dangerous crimes over and over again, should not be arrested one day and let back out on the street the next just to see them recommit crimes. Because when they go in front of the courts, it's a little slap on the wrist and see you later, you go out and commit another crime. It's absolutely disgusting. These people are dangerous. They need to be behind bars. And they need to stay behind bars. So it's not just, John, that all the premiers and territorial leaders wrote a letter to the prime minister saying, like, we are all unanimous on this thing. Uh, You have testified, uh, other police officers, chiefs of police have testified that we need this. And there doesn't seem to be a lot of urgency. Do you know on any updates? Are they actually working on this? So I I can tell you that the uh, provincial government obviously is putting as much weight as they can behind it. But ultimately, these are all kind of federal issues. And I haven't heard um, from the federal government at this point at all, which I think is rather disappointing. You know, we have very, you know, Ontario is the largest uh, populated province in this country. Um, And yet uh, it seems our federal government doesn't even want to listen and take action. You know, the province is ready to take action. The cities are, the police services are, uh, the Ontario Association, Chiefs of Police all agree. You know, this is something we've all been talking about now for the last probably eight, 10 years. Yeah, and it seemed to be picking up momentum, and certainly where we were talking, when you get, get Lamette saying, yep, yep, we're open to it. How long would it take? If he wanted to kind of, um, you know, go back to, to this, how long do you think it would take? Because, like, at this rate, what's the point? But how long do you think it would take if he actually wanted to perform it? Because he's going to have to consult now with a whole bunch of uh, premiers and, and chiefs, no? Well, I think the consultation's important, but I think we have to keep in mind that, uh, you know, the, the people here in Toronto especially, and I'm sure across mm-hmm. Canada, they want something done now. Uh, they yeah. don't want to talk to us for year after year. You know, it's the old analysis paralysis. You know, we can we can talk about these things till we're blue in the face, but it does no good for the here and now for our, our members, for the public, because the public are, are they're experiencing all these terrible tragedies, um, you know, in real time. And so yeah. are our members. Something needs to be done. Yeah, but but it has evolved, and I think we can admit that. You know, gang and gun, we had a lot of headlines about that when you've got reoffenders getting in and out in the catch and release. But now we seem to have shifted into, you know, major crime, violent crime has really surged, and now we've got mental health issues, addiction issues, where we've got this random violence and strangers. Like, we don't know, uh, and I don't get the sense, John, that it's going to go away. 
Um, and so it becomes more than just bail reform because I'm sure you've been in mental health court, you know, old, old city hall and that. I mean, it's just disgusting. Uh, and there's nowhere to put any of these people who actually really need to be kept in, in jail for their well-being and the public at large. I mean, uh, the guy that was just uh, charged with first-degree murder of, of Gabriel who was stabbed to death on a subway, the judge even admitted, you know, he, he was convicted of, of, of a sexual assault two weeks ago and, and judges – you know, you look at his rap sheet over and over and over again with a judge saying, look, this guy's got addiction and mental health issues. He needs help. And if he doesn't, he's a danger to society. But we don't have anywhere to put them because all the psych wards and psychiatric hospitals were shut down. So once again, this is a resource based issue. Um, yeah, you know, I've, I've ta- yeah, I've talked about this many, many times. You know, there, there's the arguments that people will say you should take the money away from the police and give it to mental health. We have mm-hmm. to put that. What we need to do is make sure that all areas are sourced properly. It's not this or that. It should be this mm-hmm. and that. I think that's where the politicians need to start uh, focusing a lot of their attention and making sure that everywhere from the frontline police officers resource properly to the court system, uh, to the corrections, and also yeah. uh, you know, a, um, uh, an area where people need to be housed with mental health issues, make sure that's appropriately you- funded. Yeah. And also like a a bounty hunter system because cops can't go out and check everywhere. There's so much, John, that needs to be done, and it is so resource-based. And it's not just at one level. My concern is it's going to get a lot – it's just going to get weighted down with politics and bureaucracy. And year after year, like we're going to waste a lot of time, and and things are not getting better. Um, And and I think there's a breaking point for for people who have been really patient in in the city. Yeah, I think you're correct. And once again, if you start looking at, uh, I think, the general population – People are tired. People are frustrated. Um, you know, for a long time now, the, the rights of a, an individual who's committed a crime seem to mm-hmm. supersede yeah. rights of the public. That has to change. It has to be turned around. We have to make sure the courts, the judiciary, are looking out for our you know, average citizens to make sure they're safe, make sure they feel safe um, in their own city. Like, they're doing everything they, they're supposed to do, and we need to make sure that the individuals who are breaking the law are held to account. Yeah, I mean, I've got to be on. I, I have to think it's very frustrating for police officers because ultimately uh, they're not really, this is not their area dealing with mental health issues and addiction issues. I mean, they want to go after cops and rob. There's so much other crime that they need to be focused on. Um, so to deal with other stuff, it, it, it's what are they saying on the front lines? Because it's all on them right now because we don't have any kind of strategy and we don't have any investments really other than a patchwork program for mental health. Well, you're absolutely right. And this has always fallen at the feet of police officers. Because the reality is, uh, when everything else fails, who do they call? The police. Mm-hmm. Who's around Eve, Christmas morning? The police. Nobody else is there to do that. Our members come out and step up each and every day for this. you know. And to start having the alternate resources uh, available at the same level, uh, it's going to take some time to get them up to speed. But there's also risks associated to it for the individuals who are doing the mental health outreach as well. We need to make sure that the police resources are there to back up those people if, in fact, one of their calls goes sideways. Yeah, well, we're in a mayoral election. You're hearing all the promises. It sounds all great, but they've got to have a strategy. And again, otherwise, it's just a hollow promise. I don't have a lot of time, John, but I do want to get this in because uh, I think it, it strikes people as very odd, if not wrong. But uh, the Toronto police superintendent uh, who was convicted of drinking and driving, um, he had gone to this bar in police headquarters three hours before he crashed his vehicle in Pickering. Why is there a bar at, at Toronto headquarters? 
So, so traditionally, um, without speaking directly to, to why TPS has one in there, that actually does go back to the military. And you have to remember the police service is actually a paramilitary organization. Um, ultimately, it'll be up to uh, the chief and the police services board to kind of decide uh, if that continues and what they want to do with it. But generally speaking, it's uh, purely for ceremonial uh, reasons mm-hmm. or for small receptions. Like I, th- I, you could make an argument that some officers, whether they're undercover, or whatever, don't want to maybe be seen out in public, worrying about their safety. We, you know, ages ago there was a, an officer killed in a bar, but at the optics of it, I just I think it, in the bigger picture, don't look great unless unless they're really clear about it. Yeah, and I have to I have to point out that this is a senior officers' lounge, so this is not a, a lounge in which uh, the rank and file officers are permitted to attend or, or invited to. Yeah, but I mean, if one of the inspectors got in there, and, and I, we don't know if he, he had drinks there, but then there's a real liability issue. Oh, I, I agree with you. And, and that's something yeah. I think which the service themselves um, you know, will have to look at and make a decision based on that.